If you knew you were starting a business that would generate you $1 million per year, how much would you be willing to invest today? Travis Ferris is a real estate entrepreneur, sales coach, team leader, public speaker, and community builder. He's done the work with over $500 million in total sales. Now he's welcoming you to the table. But make sure you're ready. The coffee is for closers only. The mindset's the one thing that's going to keep you going. Coffee for Closers is powered by Collab Agents. Here's your host, Travis Ferris. Welcome, viewers, and thank you so much for tuning into Coffee for Closers podcast fueled by one and only Collab Agents. Uh, we have a special guest tuning in today, uh, Miss Taylor Cardenas. We're going get, to get to know a little bit or quite a bit about her what she's been up to and what she's doing. Uh, she's been an agent for years. She kind of joined our little world. And at a certain point, you know, you could clearly see what her passions were and what she liked or disliked doing. And she finally hit a point to where she followed her passion, created Social Estates, which is an amazing marketing company that's absolutely aligned itself with real estate everything in the real estate community and the business community and is just pushing out amazing content. So we want to learn a little bit about Miss Taylor Cardenas, what you do, what you did, what triggered that, and essentially how following your passion can literally lead you to a six-figure out-the-gate business. So welcome, Taylor. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, super excited to podcast with you. And yeah, I mean, I guess just kind of chit-chat about marketing and branding and how cool it is to be in real estate, but also have something else within real estate that is just lighting me up at the moment. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, we're excited to kind of dive into that. So um, take us through, I guess, your thought process. Uh, what was it like when you got into real estate, when you kind of were getting your feet on the ground and, and you were taking the steps towards that? What did, what did you like? What didn't you like? And then what was that pivotal moment where you're like, I think I'm going to go all into my marketing? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I got started in real estate really young. Um, I was in college at the time. I was like 19 years old and I wanted freedom from like a schedule. I was working long hours in retail and I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this forever. And um, I had friends that were friends with my brother that were in real estate and they were like, you should get into real estate. You kind of already are in sales and like the commissions are better in real estate and, you know, just give it a shot. And so got my license, um, you know, started off at Coldwell Banker, regular mom and pop brokerage, whatever, and very quickly realized how hard it was to be an agent, be young and be in the real estate industry. And I just didn't know what I was doing. And so I did end up finding a client, closing them within like my first six months. And then at that point, after going through the whole escrow process, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I don't think I helped this client as well as I probably should have. Um, just because I was constantly asking people for help, constantly looking for guidance. And that's when I found you and Nisa on Instagram, um, crushing real estate. You guys just had opened your own brokerage. Um, you were young and fit. <laughs> I was like, I want to be like them. And so we linked up. Um, I remember meeting you guys at your office and I was just so nervous. I like, I don't even think I said very much in that interview. 
Um, but your office was beautiful. I mean, just like you're, you were like a power couple and I just really looked up to you guys. And then I think fast forward, you guys gave me a shot, put me on your team. And I tried just about everything because I had told myself at the time to like, just learn it because, you know, you don't know when you're just getting started in, in like the industry and whatnot. And so I think I started off doing all of your admin work. I did all the computer stuff, data entry. And then I kind of finished that quickly. And I was like, what else can I do? Threw me into social media stuff, marketing stuff, buyer's agent, listing agent. I feel like I just kind of knocked out all of the roles being on your team. And I was so grateful for that because, you know, you guys let me just kind of like learn and explore as much as I like wanted to and was down for. Um, But one thing I never really like held up or gave up was the marketing and the social media stuff. That was the stuff that really like lit me up. It was the stuff that excited me. It was the stuff that I would like research on YouTube on. Um, And fast forward into like 2020, you know, I think we were all, everyone in the industry was kind of making big changes. The real estate market had a big change. Um, And at that time, you know, we had made the decision to kind of move towards a cloud-based brokerage and we had to rebrand everything at that point. And so you guys had told me, hey, you know, l- listen, we're going to shift. We're going to make this move. You should help us out with X, Y, Z. And at that point, I was like, shoot. I mean, if I'm going to do this now, like, why not? There was, you know, all uh, other agents that were also making that transition, making that move that were asking me like, hey, can you help me with my email signature? Can you run my social media? And like, at the time I was like, oh no, like I'm so busy. I have so much, you know, on my plate. Like, I don't know if I can handle it. And you guys had told me, you're like, just charge them. Like, just turn it into a business. And I was like, yeah, that's really smart. Okay. (laughs) So after that, I mean, yeah, 2020 March, I think social state kicked off. We, We started running social media for like several different agents. And then, you know, everyone kind of went digital in 2020. And then I feel like real estate marketing and real estate social media just kind of like boomed and took off. And through that, we've kind of just have been riding that wave of agents kind of shifting to more digital stuff. Um, You know, video content, of course, is booming. TikTok came out. So yeah, it's just been a kind of a natural progression into this sort of like real estate branding and marketing space. 100%. I I do want to rewind a little bit because I think there's a point in here I want to get across. Okay. So you joined corporate, you know, white and blue. We'll just say that. Mm -hmm. What did you think you were going to get there? And then what what, what actually happened? (laughs) So when I joined there, I thought I was going to have like hands-on training. I thought I was going to be trained up in like two weeks and be able to walk people through a contract and know every part and process of a transaction. I think my expectations were high because of like the talk of the town. Everyone's like, you should go there. You should do this. And so I was like, okay, cool. But I very quickly realized that it was like kind of just corporate culture. And like, I didn't fit in with that corporate culture. I was young. I was like their kid's age. They thought I was like, dumb. I don't know. And so they didn't really like take me under their wing, I guess. And, you know, understandably you think like, who's this young kid going to, what are they going to do in the real estate industry? You know? And so I think for me, I felt like kind of just like an outsider within this corporate culture space that it just made me feel like, ugh, 
this is not what I had expected real estate to be. Um, and so when I found, you know, that you can switch brokerages and that people often switch brokerages and that it's a good thing to make moves for your business, I was like, okay, like, why not? And, you know, finding that right group, that right people really helped me to kind of just feel comfortable in the industry again. 100%. And uh, you, you touched on some things that we love because, again, we are you know getting older, but we still, all of us are absolutely the youth in the industry for sure. Um, so you joined you know corporate culture, which corporate culture is, in my opinion, just the dinosaur of business. Like, you know, time in should mean nothing to well, essentially a biz, a very little. It should mean little as opposed to a value-based culture, which is, hey, what can you do? What values do you bring? And then that is essentially where people are positioned. Um, and, and I think as we expand and go from, you know, one location to another, we definitely see it because we, we all kind of started in Hawaii, which I do think we all kind of actually brought young blood into that industry. And I'd, I'd say it essentially ushered out some dinosaurs. We've since then expanded to Colorado with some other locations in the works. And it's like jumping back in time I'm seeing and just exactly what you said, because it's, I think a lot of people might look at young people and have assumptions, which they shouldn't. You should mm -hmm. you should not assume that because somebody is younger than you that they don't know as much or they're not as talented. Absolutely. That is something that in our world and especially 2020, uh, like really highlighted. So um, you, you hit the point. We got to just keep continue to usher in the, the youth and the young because um, it's good and it's great. So, OK, you hit your 10,000 hours. We're going to say you hit your 10,000 hours of marketing because that's what it is. You kind of went through some things you learned, you liked, you didn't like. But at the end of the day, I, I know you and I know you guys and I know that you would just research and YouTube and watch this. So, you know, I'm going to essentially say that you did your 10,000 hours to hit mastery of marketing. So, you know, how did you kind of essentially when we when we did just start to say, dude, just start your own freaking business? Um, like how did how what how did you decide or how did you position yourself along with the real estate community to kind of do what you're doing? Totally. Um, you know, I think it was part of like a comfort zone thing. Like I had, I had only done marketing and branding for people within the real estate industry because everything I did was with, you know, the team and the brokerage at the time. And so it felt like that was my natural niche. And when I had kind of researched it, no one was that niche for real estate marketing. Like there were marketing agencies, there were branding agencies, but they kind of served like all entrepreneurs and businesses and whatnot. And nobody, nobody that came in with real estate experience knew what real estate agents and lenders would actually need. Um, and so that kind of felt like my unique factor, if you will. I was like, okay, well, I know, I know this. And so agents that are, you know, seeking the results that we had with our team and our social media, essentially, we would just be applying the same strategies and the same tactics to their business. And so it was kind of like a just a, I, I knew what I knew in that space. And it is such a, it's like, it is niche, but there's so, it's so big at the same time. There's so much you can do within real estate. Um, so yeah, I think niche is super important, whether it's getting into real estate, being an agent and not knowing where to start. And then just, yeah, in general, being the expert in that one specific space. Absolutely. Riches are in the niches. 
Um, all right. So again, kind of going on to this. So you started corporate, then you ultimately, because there's some points I want to drive to any listeners that are in this position, trying to learn about where like they should be looking. Um, what did you experience when you plugged into like a cloud-based brokerage that, you know, not corporate structure, but value structure, like real quick, what was that look like from A to Z start to finish training expectations, all of those things? Yeah. Um, so corporate it's, it's very um, limited, I would say. Like, they have their principles, they have their things that they want you to do and follow. And I think that's good just to have some sort of foundation. Um, but for like the day and age that we're in, and you know, even at the time, like, it just wasn't quite working for where we had seen, you know, ourselves as business owners going and what we wanted. And so, cloud based brokerage, it's, so much freedom. Like I think that with just branding and marketing it itself, like you can do so much more because they're not so on you about it needs to look this way. It needs to be this size and this, you know, format and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, there is limits, there is guidelines, um, but they're very easy to incorporate into your own personal branding that I think is really, really important as we move forward into the next like five, 10 years of real estate, because I just think that people aren't going to the brokerage to find an agent. They're going to social media. They're going to who they know and who they connect with. And that's so much more important than, you know, whose who's logo you have <laughs> on 100%. your business card. Um, but yeah, I think that the culture of, of um, the older brokerages, <laughs> I don't know what I want to call them, is just one way and that's the only way and they have very limited freedom for what you can like push those limits on um just because they're so like close to the ways that have worked for them and that's just the tough part about being in business for that long i think is just you you're really hard it's really hard for you to adapt and to like make changes quickly so i think yeah cloud-based is where people should go if they want that freedom and they want to be able to like brand themselves, um, you know, build their personal brand. You have way more freedom in a cloud-based brokerage. hundred percent. And yeah, I think that uh, time, technology, culture, everything around our world changed so drastically. And, and I'm not insinuating or, or saying that, you know, when you look at like a blockbuster, honestly, we grew up with blockbuster and then you saw Netflix and Redbox. You saw all these kind of different innovative competitors come out. And the funny thing is, is actually you saw Blockbuster try to do that last ditch effort. So, you, you know, you saw the red box boxes at grocery stores. And then if you were watching you, a Blockbuster box popped up next to the red box. Yeah. And that was like for a couple months and then it went away. It's just, it was too little too late. Um, and when you actually talk about corporate, cause we were involved in the corporate world of real estate for a while um, I remember one of the, we'll just say one of the big corporate umbrellas of real estate had purchased um, Climb. So they purchased this uh, San Francisco based, really innovative company called Climb. And I, Nisa and I being like forward thinkers and just being like, dude, we were like, awesome. That's great. They're going to bring this brand in. And we were actually saying like, give it to us. Like we will run this brand in Hawaii. And Again, it was kind of like block. They're so they're too big to fail, but they're also too big to like pivot. 
So they literally couldn't figure out even how to roll the, the financial model out to benefit them, I guess. And they ended up just shelving it, which is just when big companies buy talent or buy innovation to shelf it is just really disappointing in the world. So yeah, hundred percent. It's, you know, and I always, I, I love to talk about this one too. It's like, all right, well, well, there's two different things, you know, 10 years ago, you used to have to go to the front desk and we'll, t- we'll, we'll just say, Karen, we'll say, Karen, you had to go ask Karen at the front desk for, Hey, I need business cards. Do people need business cards today? You know, no, you're going on Moo, you're doing your design. You're actually reaching out to Taylor. She's designing and getting it sent to you directly through social estates. But then the other thing is the brand. Like I think as things progressed, especially 2020, it's like, you know, I always use this one. Like again, 10 years ago, if I was going to get knee surgery, I'd, and I did, I had Achilles surgery and I went to Kaiser because I, I had Kaiser insurance and I didn't ask any about the doctor. You know what I mean? I was like, Hey, I'm just, I'm with Kaiser. Whereas today people are not blindly walking into, you know, UC health or Kaiser and saying, Oh, you're going to replace my knee. No, they're saying, I don't care what name is on the hospital. Who's the doctor? Who is the doctor doing that surgery? And that's the difference of what's going on is the, the, the name on the door doesn't matter. It's the person in charge. It's whoever is running it. And that's what our world ha- has basically allowed to happen, which is awesome and phenomenal. 2020, I think, was gasoline on the fire for the cloud-based brokerage. And I think same thing with you. It was gasoline on the, the digital marketing fire for you. So, all right, let's, let's kind of flip into tactical takeaways or strategy. So, one thing that you're doing and crushing on is YouTube. So YouTube's awesome. We love YouTube. We're trying to get videos pushed out. Real quick, like what is the best platform to make an extra six figure in real estate today? If you're like, I want to make an extra six figures, what, what would be the platform that you would say, go all in on this? YouTube, of course. <laughs> I think YouTube is a beast. I think that it can feel um, like overwhelming at first because it's it's they say it's a um, like a search generator, right? It's like Google, but video. Um, and so people are often like overwhelmed when they go to YouTube that they think that like there's so much involved with it. Um, but I think YouTube pays the best um, with long form and then they're going to roll out short form or they have they have shorts, but they're going to start compensating um, creators for their short form videos. Um, brand deals you can do on YouTube, uh, of course, like AdSense and then just generating business alone, it's going to be far better. Um, if you're looking for people that are outside of your sphere of influence or outside of your like immediate network, um, just because the search engine optimization of it is so good. So I think YouTube is where everyone should start their content. Um, and it's, starting with YouTube and then kind of condensing it down to all of the other platforms to make sure that you're getting the best results with your like content strategy and your content that you're pushing out for your business. So yeah, I mean, for agents that are starting on, on social media, I would just focus on YouTube first, get that longer form content going. Um, and then what you can do is just take those little or those longer pieces of content and then break them down into smaller bits for reels, TikToks, even Instagram stories and whatnot um, in the shorter form, you know, apps like Instagram and whatnot. 
For sure. Real quick. All right. We've, we've actually, we've gone back and forth on this. I think this is a generational thing that we've had. All right. If you were to evaluate TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, what are the differences? Which are, which are your favorites? Why? And I guess, which one do you think has the most traction? Wait, Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok? Mm-hmm. Oh God. Okay. Well, I hate Facebook. <laughs> so kill Facebook. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I think that Facebook is, uh, it's still a good platform, but I think that you kind of have to be established on Facebook to still generate a lot of business on Facebook. And so for me personally, I I never really grew an audience on Facebook or used Facebook a lot that I never honestly saw saw the true power of Facebook. Um, and so I would say that today in age, um, Instagram and TikTok are very similar. Um, Instagram is, I think, where a lot of millennials are going to search things. So they'll look up, you know, different hashtags. They'll still look up like home inspo, um, you know, Colorado things to do and whatnot. But I think a lot of attention is shifting towards TikTok just because you get so much more um, in TikTok. Like you, you can go on TikTok's algorithm and scroll through so many different creators' ideas where I think Instagram is just a little bit harder in terms of finding that niche topic that you're looking for. You can go on the explore page, but you're only going to get you know, you're kind of going to get a variety of things. You're going to get, yeah, reels and some stuff, but you're going to get um, carousel posts. So graphics that you people might have to read instead of watch. Um, just the user experience of searchability on Instagram isn't quite where TikTok or even YouTube is. And so I think people that are searching stuff love TikTok and love um, YouTube. But I think that your true people, like your your real ones are on Instagram. People that love you on TikTok and YouTube will come and follow you on Instagram because they want to follow your stories and they want to see what you do on the day to day. They want to see your lifestyle and like, you know, all of the other things that kind of encompass your business and your brand. So they all do different things. Um, I think if you have a large network already, you probably have a lot of leads sitting in Instagram that you don't even know about. Um, if you are someone that has not been on social media at all and are just getting started, TikTok and YouTube are probably going to be the most ideal platforms to reach the masses. Um, and Facebook, I mean, if you've been on Facebook, it's probably very similar to Instagram to where, you know, you can DM people that you've known in high school for the last 10 years. Maybe they're still on Facebook and watching stories and watching your posts and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's... They're all so different that I think that you shouldn't necessarily leave one out mm-hmm. entirely. Um, you kind of want to feed them all just because people like different platforms. Like I don't like Facebook as much, so you probably won't catch me on Facebook as much as you will Instagram or TikTok. Um, but there are other people out there that create solely for Facebook and people that solely just check Facebook. And so if you're really just saying, hey, I'm not going to post on that one or I'm only going to focus on X, Y, Z you might be limiting yourself a little bit, um, which is why that strategy of creating longer form content and then dispersing the shorter form across all the other platforms is really helpful because you're not spending all of your time just creating content. You create and then, you know, you optimize 
and make it really easy for yourself to show up on all of those platforms. For sure. Uh, first of all, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what an algorithm is, reach out to Taylor and we'll get all of, <laughs> all of the contact stuff because y'all, you need help. There's a lot to learn there. We can help you reach out to Taylor. And that's first of all. But yeah, it's um, as I'm evaluating, I, I don't love any of the so uh, any of the social media. You know, they're all necessary evils. I'd I'd say, but I've been on, I've been Facebook because we always talk about it. And I, I as I look at it, because actually I, I probably prefer Instagram aesthetically. Mm-hmm. I think business is done on Facebook, and agent attraction is done on Instagram. As I kind of look at the two, it's almost like branding and marketing. So branding is who you are. Marketing is kind of the call to action. Um, Facebook's marketing, Instagram is branding. It's kind of, as I look at it, because I, I do get business off like Facebook, mm-hmm. but I think as a slight bit, you know, above me, demographics are, mm-hmm. they actually tend to stay on Facebook. And I think that's why I, I still get a lot more business on there because of those slight older demographics that just are stuck on Facebook mm-hmm. type thing. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great. Yep. Great information there. Um, Go all into one though. And just the one thing it's to to realize with any of them is that it's, you're not, you're not going to do one thing and have it immediately pay off. These are, it's the work that you need to build up, you know, over time. And then, then you'll start getting some results on it. So, all right, we're going to go into tactical planning content, where and what to post and how to post. So this is going to be the Taylor show right now is, all right, so what it, what does it look like for you know planning content, where and what to post, and then how to post? Kind of, kind of going into how are you plan, we'll start at one by one. How are you planning mm-hmm. content? What does the planning of your content look like? Okay, so planning content, I think the first thing is is like the research phase. So what I'll do is kind of consume a lot of content. Um, YouTube is probably the the biggest one. So I'll kind of look at what is being shown to me on my homepage, what is getting a lot of views, what is getting a lot of traction. Um, And then from there, I will kind of take like note, like I'll have a, a separate tab, either notes tab or we use Notion, love Notion, and just kind of jot down ideas that are trending and you know just points that people are interested in like currently um and then i will go into um kind of like their comment section (laughs) so like what are other people looking at and this is like your competitors so people that are if you're a real estate agent for example maybe you're looking at um someone that is a real estate agent in another state than you that you have a lot of business that people are moving to and from um look at their comment section. Like what, what are people asking those creators and they're typically bigger creators seeing if you can use those questions into your own content or, you know, creating some sort of similar video for your own state or your own city is like really, really helpful. Um, so just, yeah, kind of researching brain dumping, all of these ideas that are performing well. The other thing that you can do with researching is looking up on YouTube. They have um, two apps. So vidIQ you can use, which is really great tool, but that will kind of show you topics that are, um, 
you know, hot right now. And so this is this typically you can take from your competitors or from your brain dump. You can type in to see if the search is, you know, really high for these topics. If it's, you know, something that a lot of people are looking up and that might be a good idea for you to create that piece of content on. Um, and then kind of just going from there, I think it's a little bit of like strategy in terms of like what is performing really well. And then also kind of like gut feeling of like, what do you know that your clients are going to be looking for? What questions do you, you know, putting yourself in their shoes, would you have if you were them? And kind of thinking like two steps ahead of what your ideal client would want. So I think it's kind of a combination of those two things in like the research phase. Um, brain dumping, again, all of these things, it could happen in an hour session if you're timing yourself and you can knock all this out. Um, but for some people, it's, you know, 20 minutes before they go to bed and they're watching a video, they type it into their phone. The next morning, they're kind of brain dumping all of the points that they want to add to it and, and whatnot. So you kind of have to figure out what works well with your schedule in content planning. Um, and then, yeah, brain dumping. So this is where you kind of go in and kind of script out your videos or script out your content. This goes for both long form and short form. So for long form, what I'll do is kind of script out like my hook, the main points that I want to, you know, include in the video. If there's any like screenshots of data that I need, I'll be, you know, adding that to my Notion board or my Trello board, whatever it is. Um, just getting kind of like the the meat of the video down so that way it's easier to film. Uh, same thing goes for short form. So if you're doing like a Instagram reel or an Instagram like carousel post, you could be writing down all of the little nuggets that you want to include in that post for your caption or for those like carousel graphics or again, just for that shorter condensed reel. Um, so just kind of having some sort of plan I don't, I don't personally like script everything out word for word. I used to when I wasn't really good on camera. Now I kind of just know what I want to talk about and try to like hit as close to that point as possible. Um, but you kind of have to, again, just figure out where, where you're at in your journey and what's going to help you the most. And then I would say from having that plan and that like roadmap, then you can create. So for creating content, I create long, long form content in short bits. So I will record my intro and the clip. Then I'll record the first nugget of the clip or whatever point I want to make, then stop the video. And then from there, I will just string them all together. So that way it turns into a longer video. But then when, you know, the video editors go to edit it, then they can chop it up by point and make it a lot cleaner for you to use for like shorter form reels or TikToks and things like that. Um, I think there's a lot of time that goes into the planning, researching and creating phase. So that way, when you go to edit and when you go to post, doing all of the other things is a lot easier. If you like have written down your script, for example, or all of the points that you wanna make, all you have to do is copy and paste that into your caption for the video, for the um, description box on YouTube. like. Just planning really, really well makes the process go a lot smoother and a lot easier um, for when you, again, just go to post the content and publish it. What was your next question? <laughs> I forgot. No, no, no. You're good. Um, kind of taken into that, it's, you know, because I'm trying to trying to make sure that we give like the tactical pearls. So, I mean, like what, what would your suggestion be to people 
starting out, like, what do I brand? So first of all, they need to, this is one thing you all need to make sure you do is identify ICP, ideal, ideal client profile. Who are you speaking to? That's basically, who are you talking to? And actually, when we were crushing business for years, I always knew that my content was agent facing. I was always talking to the agent. We did beautiful listing videos and all of that stuff to look good, to show our seller. But it was really, at the end of the day, I knew I was subliminally doing it for, for the agent. So what should agents, how do they identify who they want to talk to? What do they brand? So am I branding Travis? Taylor or am I branding Colorado? Mm -hmm. And how do they get over the embrace the suck or the fear of perfection? Yeah. Okay. So ideal client, I think it comes down to knowing what you know that you're good at and what you can speak to first. So a lot of, um, you know, agents come into the industry and they're not quite super experienced with luxury but they want to get into luxury, right? And so for them, it's starting off with, okay, what do you know right now? Like, do you have you had first-time homebuyer clients? Have you had first-time home seller clients? Um, what price point have you, you know, niched into or have some sort of experience with? If, if you've sold nothing, then, you know, then it's, have you bought a home before? Have, has your family bought a home before? If they have, like, was it a million-dollar home? Was it a, you know, condo building? Like, what was it? Um, so kind of just looking at your experience, I think is really helpful to know foundationally, like where your natural niche is. Um, and then you can expand off of that. So knowing again, who you were, who, who you were once before is typically most people's ideal client. So if you were a first time home buyer and got into real estate, typically you kind of know that process for your first time home buyer clients, what they went through, what questions they had, it just naturally makes content creating a lot easier for you to start with that. Um, if you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to help first time home buyers. It's not what I want to do. Then it's looking for like gaps in the industry. Like, okay, what, what areas of the real estate industry are not being talked to? You know, is it entrepreneurs that are trying to buy homes that have different income, you know, setups and things and they're, their style of purchasing a home is going to be completely de different than a W-2 employee, right? So kind of knowing like where, where there are gaps and what gaps you can fill is an easy way to, again, finding your ideal client so that way you can niche down. Um, for most people, it's, yeah, it's just the questions that they're getting in their inbox or the questions that they've searched themselves on Google. And then I would say... Once you kind of have an idea of your ideal client, of who you want to speak to, it makes just researching so much easier because you're going to find competitors that are doing that, other agents in other states that are doing that. Um, or if your brand's banking new, again, just putting yourself back into that ideal client's shoes of what would they ask? What would they Google? You know, what would they be experiencing? What would help them experience this a lot easier and just, again, putting yourself in their shoes to create the content that's going to land for them when they go to Google it or find you on social. Um, ideal client. What was your other question? And then, and then it, well, it kind of, that, I think you answered it. That, I mean, there's some awesome nuggets there as far as just getting started. Who you once were, who you are now, or who you want to be are kind of mm -hmm. like identifying like your ideal client. And then I would say, and you can answer this one real quick, is, again, branding Travis or Colorado or Hawaii. 
and then how people get over the perfection, like, you know what I mean? Totally. Okay. Yeah. So that's a common question that we always get is like, do you go in and brand, you know, yeah, like you said, Colorado homes or mountain and sea or whatnot, or do you brand yourself? I think it's personal preference. Like people are always going to relate more to people. And so if you don't know, and you're really, really in indecision, then I would just say, start with yourself. Um, start with your personal brand. It's going to get a lot more traction than say a completely different company would that you would be creating just because people aren't familiar with that yet. They're familiar with you. And if you start with yourself, it's so much easier to branch off into separate brand pillars or even just brand businesses that you want to create within your own personal brand. I mean, you do this really well. You have multiple brands that you kind of manage and run under you, but you yourself are all of those, you know, as a personal brand. So I think, um, yeah, if you're completely in indecision, start with yourself, list out the things that you are um, just naturally go on in your day. Are you a mom? Do you take your kids to school? Are you, you know, someone that's into fitness? Do you go to the gym every day? Do you meal prep? Um, do you have any sports? Are you snowboarding on the weekend surfing? Like listing out, looking at your calendar, listing out all of the things that kind of make you you. And then literally it's real estate and snowboarding, real estate and fitness, real estate and healthy lifestyle, real estate and whatever it is that you kind of naturally like to research, whatever you naturally do on your regular day to day, that is all encompassing in your personal brand. Um, and then from there, you can kind of feed off of that. So like, obviously real estate is going to be your business. Um, but can you incorporate two things together? Like there is one agent, I think that is on Instagram right now. He has, he's, he's kind of like a musician, I think, or he's like a rapper, but he's rapping Drake songs to, um, like real estate advice at the moment. So he's combining two of his passions or two of things that, you know, is in his personal brand and he's marketing it himself as that. So just combining the two things I think is really a unique way to make real estate interesting, of course, but then also just relate it back to you because people, people like people. And if they like fitness and health and you're talking about fitness and health one day, and you're also talking about real estate the next, they're more likely to listen because they're following you for the other things that you talk about as well. Um, I think all of it sucks in the beginning though. Like I have videos that, well, actually you probably know this, but we had space in the office for filming and I would never go in there and film because I was just so nervous and so like just wanting everything to be perfect and wanting my voice to be perfect and my outfit to be perfect and my hair and all of that to be just, you know, as pristine as you think it should be. Um, but I think there's a point where you realize like either you're going to get over it, just do it, post it, and then you're going to get better as each video you create goes on. Or you're going to just wish that like you started sooner, which most people do. I, I know I do. Um, I wish I started two years before I even could create content because you just want the experience to get better. Um, and so, yeah, the sucky parts of creating content, you just have to like get over and not look at the likes, not look at, you know, 
the views, um, stop paying attention to that if you're not consistent at all. Like until you've probably created two months or even three months worth of content, then I think you should go back and look at your analytics. But if you're posting one video and you're saying no one watched it, it's like, well, of course not. <laughs> it's your first video. And you know, you don't have enough data to to look back on and, and how to improve. Um so yeah, so just post them. You can always like take them down later if you want to. I don't think you should, but if you're embarrassed by them in five years, um, you can hide them, but they're going to help somebody. Um, so just post it and get over it. <laughs> yep. No, absolutely. Embrace the suck. Yep. Um, my shitty video will outperform your non-existent video every day. Um, practice makes perfect. Again, it's the 10,000 hours. And I mean, it's one of those things like we've been in front of a camera since probably 2000. Yes. Hardcore in 2016, if not a little bit before. Mm -hmm. And it was just years and years and years of doing it. So start now. And and this is the one thing I'm I'm actually going to drop a podcast on this is, and I've said this a couple of times before is you're exactly where you're supposed to be. I think um, if any, any listeners out there ever day traded, you learn about this thing called FOMO, which is very real. And FOMO will actually get you into trouble trading. Um, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Cause I always look at that. You know, if I would have gone to the cloud-based brokerage four years ago, if I would have started this podcast four years ago, there's reasons why I didn't do those things or didn't start it. And I think it's because we're exactly where we're supposed to be at this time. I can now deliver a quality value-based product to actually help people um, as opposed to getting in front of a microphone and just rambling on. Um, and so that's the thing with, with listeners. It's a, if you feel that it's okay, you're more confident and wiser than you were two years ago. Um, yeah, if we all could, if we all could have went back and bought a bunch of homes in 2012, we would all, you know what I mean? It's and held them until now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the list goes on and on and on. And that's the one thing about real estate. Again, if you're listening to this, just real estate is get in, get in and hold like, Cause whatever, wherever you're at right now in 10 years, it's going to look better than it did today in 20 years, even better in 30 years, your home's paid off. So it's just get in now. Uh, time in the market is better than timing the market. And that goes for everything that, that goes for not just day trading, trading, investing, real estate. That means time in podcasting is better than timing my podcasts. You know what I mean? Time like, so it's just, Add it up, add it up. 10,000 10, 10, hours is what you're shooting for. So, all right, we're, we're about 40 minutes in. Let's give the last little bit before we wrap up your top three to five best performing videos. Like whatever, it doesn't have to be perfect. It can be one, two, three, four, five. Like what What were they? Mm-hmm. Um, I just pulled this actually. So on YouTube, cost of living ranks the highest. So if you're an agent, I would highly suggest creating a cost of living video. Um, My next top is the top seven real estate agent rookie mistakes. So people love to know what they're doing wrong. Um, That could apply to, again, any business that you're in. And then I would say my vlogs. So day in the lives are trending in like that top three category, which suck. I don't know how to vlog, very well, but 10,000 hours, like you said. So um, documenting instead of creating, as Gary Vee says, just kind of taking people along through your journey, I think is super, super cool. Um, I mean, 
maybe even a little bit selfish, but like, I would love to watch those five years from now just to see like how different I was and how different on camera I was. Um, And yeah, I mean, for anyone watching, I think people just love that journey that they can see you go through. So that's it. Totally. Cause nobody really cares about, you know what I mean? We're going to say Kevin in the suit and tie, like the realtor, no one really cares. They want, they don't want to hire Kevin, you know, the suit and tie realtor, uh, you know, at corporate X, Y, Z, they like want to work with, Hey, who's Taylor? Who's Taylor Cardenas? Like this chick's awesome. Like she's an expert. She's professional. She knows what she's talking about. She's actually enjoyable and fun to listen to and hang out with. That, you know what I mean? Again, the brand and market have completely just changed. So, all right, Taylor, where are you going next? Where, where should we watch out for social estates? Um, currently follow us on Instagram at Social Estate Co. We are just posting every single day. Honestly, I think we're doing like this um, kind of series that we're creating for a YouTube channel, but I'm doing a video on posting consistently like every single day for 60 days straight just to see the results and kind of tell people on our YouTube channel um, what we did, what, what, you know, kind of worked for us and just kind of see like what has changed in Instagram in the recent algorithm. Um, So you can follow us on, on social estate for all of the little bits and pieces of reels, carousels, all of that helpful tips. And then for, um, YouTube at Tay Cardenas. I post a lot about real estate, branding, um, and just overall like agent tips and advice for getting into the industry. Boom. hundred percent. Anything else you want to leave with us or is that it? That's a wrap. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Taylor. Thanks for being on. As you guys remember, thanks for tuning in. Coffee's for closers. If you haven't check out collab agents, you can kind of see what all of our agents are up to, where to find them because we all are doing stuff like this. So thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoyed this episode of Coffee for Closers? Subscribe to the show anywhere you find podcasts and follow Collab Agents on social at Collab Agents.